Hello and welcome to level 58 of 3 Extra Lives, a video game and trivia podcast. I'm your host Tom Knight. We're back again and just a reminder that this show is now on a bi-weekly schedule. That's every two weeks. I hope you're still enjoying getting your fix of 3 Extra Lives and since we last talked on level 57 where I mentioned a game called Fall Guys, I just wanted to give you an update that I have won no less than six crowns so far. If you're addicted to Fall Guys, I'd love to know your crown count, but I'm not here to brag about that. I'm here to deliver a podcast episode, and I will do that right now. So, let's get on with the show! First up on Free Extra Lives this time, I'm going to talk to you about 51 worldwide games, or in some parts of the world, this is known as 51 Worldwide Classics. And this is a game that was released on Nintendo Switch back in June 2020. It's developed by ND Cube, and I'm having a lot of fun with this game. And I'll tell you why. Obviously, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Seems to be a catchphrase that is fairly regularly used in my recordings of Three Extra Lives this year. But with that came restrictions of being confined to your own household. Obviously, as we progress through this, the restrictions have been lifted and you can form bubbles with other households. One of those bubbles is my parents' household where my brother lives. And now that I'm connected to that bubble, I've been going around there every week, not not just for food. I have been having a weekly rivalry with my brother in 51 worldwide games. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's a game and there's 51 games in it. And these range from tabletop games, classic games, you know, four in a row, backgammon, checkers, chess, dominoes. And then you've got some more games with a sporting focus, such as bowling, darts, golf, billiards, table hockey. It's all there. and. To be honest, when I first heard of this game coming out, I was a little skeptical because games that have a lot of games in them, sometimes the quality on that is skimped because there is just such a large quantity. But I have to say the quality of the games within this title are absolutely fantastic. And not only can you play the single player, but the point I'm getting to is I'm having a lot of fun with the multiplayer aspect on this. Now you can actually take it online and do that too if you desire. I've been playing it locally with my brother. We've been heading over to the top-down golf course and playing nine holes. We've then been heading to the bowling alley, which is really reminding me of those Wii days where one of the first titles that was out there was the Wii sports game and playing the bowling and the baseball on that. I was very addicted to that. And me and my brother also had a great rivalry in those games too. And it's really revisiting those memories for me with the motion controls. It all feels really good. It feels fun. It's easy to pick up and just having a lot of enjoyment with local multiplayer once again, which as we know, the Nintendo Switch does that fairly well. They're kind of famed for it, you know? They're kind of they kind of built a brand on that sort of thing, you know? And okay, since you asked, 51 games, you want to know what they all are, let me tell you really, really quickly 
We've got Mancala, Dots and Boxes, Yacht Dice, Four in a Row, Hit and Blow, Nine Men's Morris, Hex, Checkers, Heron Hounds, Gomuku, Dominoes, Chinese Checkers, Ludo, Backgammon, Renegade, Chess, Shogi, Mini Shogi, Hana Fuda, Richie Mayong, Last Card, Blackjack, Texas Hold'em, President, Seven, Speed, Matching, Ward, Takoyaki, Pig's Tail, Golf, Billiards, Bowling, Darts, Cameron, Toy Tennis, Toy Soccer, Toy Curling, Toy Boxing, Toy Baseball, Air Hockey, Slot Cars, Fishing Battle, Tanks, Team Tank, Shooting Gallery, Six Ball Puzzle, Sliding Puzzle, Mayong Solitaire, Klondike Solitaire, Spider Solitaire, and a Piano. So there you go, there's quite a range of games that you can play, and they're all from around the world, and also when you're loading up these mini games as well. Sometimes you get a little bit of dialogue between some of the toy characters with regards to the origins of these games and how they came about. So it's it's just a really nice title. It's It came along kind of out of the blue. Uh, it was announced back in March 2020 and was released in June 2020, like I said. And I've just found it very refreshing. If you're that type of person that enjoys kind of reliving those Wii days or you enjoy some tabletop games maybe you're just looking for a title to pick up when you're next heading off on an adventure somewhere in this world or locally that you want to take something that you can play with somebody else and just pass a bit of time this has it this has it for you it's such well executed and there's just a lot of variety there to keep you entertained as well i haven't managed to get through all the games with my brother yet Maybe we'll have an Olympic tournament one day where we try to go through them all. Because when you're playing that local multiplayer as well, it kind of keeps score of your of your matches against each other, who's winning, and you can keep a keep a running total of who's who's being the best on a on a single session over and across all these games. So that is 51 worldwide games out on the Nintendo Switch by ND Cube. Go get your game on. It's trivia time. So I was talking about 51 worldwide games and let's go with a question related to that. Chess is played on a checkered board, but how many squares appear on a standard board? The correct answer is 64. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. Next up on three extra lives, I was thinking, I do that sometimes. And last time on three extra lives on level 57, been playing a lot of Fall Guys. Now that game came out, got a lot of hype, and it just made me think about games that have come along and shook everything up. They've changed everything in a way. They've changed how we see games and they've changed direction of potentially what the future of gaming might look like. Now that might be an exaggeration slightly, but I know through the past there's been games that have come along that have completely changed everything for me. You do get these titles that come along sometimes. Sometimes they're big massive titles, sometimes they're a bit smaller, but the impact of these games can be everlasting. Obviously it makes me think back of the early Sega Mega Drive Genesis days, first time playing Sonic the Hedgehog. Maybe the nostalgia around that is the first time playing a video game, a platformer like this. But thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog and how when that came along for me, that changed everything for me. That changed, I mean, it didn't really change anything because it was the start of something, but I know from that, it kind of set the standard for me for how I was going to 
play platforming games and how I was going to enjoy platforming games. Another game actually on the Sega Mega Drive was a RPG called Landstalker Treasures of King Knoll. Now in this game you play as an adventurer called Nigel and what a name by the way. You're thrown into this game where you have all these outdoor areas and dungeons to explore. You've got that RPG element where you're going into towns and talking to people and that was just mind-blowing for me. Again, it's probably because this is the first entry almost into the genre that I had, but still, that was my foundation for RPGs, and I've always kind of looked back to that as a defining moment for me and how I progressed into further RPGs with, with that in mind. Now, moving forward in time to the PlayStation 1 era, another game that makes me think about this game changed everything for me was Metal Gear Solid. Now I remember getting a demo disc for this game on a PlayStation magazine. Yeah, remember demo discs? They were a thing. And it was a demo disc that had about 25 PlayStation 1 titles and one of them was Metal Gear Solid and I just constantly played that demo. All it was was the first small area introduction of the game where you come out of the water, you've got a small warehouse to navigate to an elevator and then you ascend up that elevator and then you've got a large outdoor area with a helipad which you're trying to make it to a door and once you made it to that door that demo was over the demo could probably take you about 10 minutes but i spent a lot of time with the stealth aspect in that game of hiding from guards and distracting guards and when i picked up the full game for that again it was just something i'd never really experienced before and that feeling of stealth and espionage was real. Sticking to the PlayStation 1 days, and I know this might be a little bit controversial, but following on from my RPG entry of Landstalker, another title that really expanded upon that for me was Final Fantasy VIII. Now there, there is a lot of controversy between like, oh, it just depends what Final Fantasy game you play first, because if you play Final Fantasy VII first, you probably have the similar feeling. I didn't play Final Fantasy VII first, I played Final Fantasy VIII first. And funny story, I was actually on holiday and I was about 10 years old and I saw Final Fantasy VIII, a collector's edition of it, in a store. I was in Spain and I was like, I, I gotta have this. I was looking at the back of the box, I was seeing those FMV cutscene screenshots and I was just head blown. I had to have it. So I, I managed to get my own way there and, and, and got a copy of Final Fantasy VIII. I was so excited. I couldn't wait for my holiday to end and get home and play Final Fantasy VIII. And I did, I got home, fired one of the four discs in that that game had. I think it was four. Yeah, there, there was a lot of discs that game. I've almost lost count. Fired it up. It was totally in Spanish. There was no English option. That didn't deter me from trying to play through it for a little while before I went and got the copy of it again in English. I still have the Spanish copy sitting on my shelf as a reminder. But upon playing that game in a language I could actually understand, the depth in the story of that and the possibilities that you had with exploring a world map and just the thrill of that entire journey of that game was incredible. And I think that was a real gateway for me when I picked up a Dreamcast then, not too long after that, and got into a game called Fantasy Star Online, which was really my first step into online gaming. And it combined those tropes of RPG and online gaming. And that would almost set the scene for me to 
then take the leaps further down the line and when I got a PC into Diablo 2 and a little game called World of Warcraft and just that feeling for me now of playing MMORPGs and online games, it really came from these games. And just to finish up, another game that completely changed everything for me was Grand Theft Auto 3. Now I remember playing Grand Theft Auto, the top-down games on the PlayStation. Yeah, I might have been a bit, bit young for those, but when the PlayStation 2 came along and Grand Theft Auto 3 was released, experiencing that world in 3D with the crime and gang narrative, it was absolutely incredible just to be able to experience a city in 3D and a world that felt alive. And I remember driving around in a car and listening to the radio in that game, like actually pulling over and parking the car and just listening to the radio. It felt so real, it felt so immersive. And I think that was a real game changer for open world games after Grand Theft Auto 3. And now that kind of expansiveness, it's fairly common, it's fairly regular in many titles now that it doesn't seem like a big deal anymore, but at the time it really was. And that really did change so much. And of course, I couldn't not give a shout out to the likes of Tomb Raider, which I played first on my Sega Saturn and was scared half to death by the first level with the tigers jumping out and the bats and just everything like that. But that for me was one of the first 3D action adventure titles that I got into as well. And that really did set the stage, I think, for what would come after. And yeah, there we go. I've kind of rambled on a little bit there about some of the games that really had an impact for me in my gaming life. Many of them, of course, fairly big titles have made a huge impact no matter what and have made waves and ripples that are still probably being connected to today as well. But I think it's really interesting just when games come along and they do have that huge impact and what that potentially means for the future of gaming as well. And if you have games out there that have changed everything for you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, because maybe there's other titles that I've missed. I know that's a guarantee and I would love to hear from you too. So let me know. It's trivia time. So I was talking about games that changed everything. And there was a bit of a narrative there of many of those games coming out in the 90s. So here we go with this question. Two of these games appear in the top 10 selling games of the 1990s. Find the odd one out. Is it Super Mario 64, Crash Bandicoot, or Lemmings? The correct answer and the odd one out was Crash Bandicoot. That was actually 22nd on the list with 6.8 million copies sold. Super Mario 64 was sixth with 11.9. And Lemmings, that was fourth on the list with 20 million units sold. If you got that one right, give yourself an extra life. And finally, on three extra lives this time, recently over on my Twitch channel, shameless plug, twitch.tv forward slash three extra lives, I was playing through a game called Stacking. Now this game was originally released back in February 2011. Yeah, it's quite a long time ago. And I remember playing this 
back on my Xbox 360. I picked it up, didn't know what to expect, and it was one of those games that you play, you really enjoy, but somehow you don't manage to finish it because as gamers, you know that. You're playing a game one day, something else comes out and distracts you, and then you forget about that game that you really liked. You really loved it, but for some reason you, you didn't love it enough to finish it. I recently picked this up in a Humble Bundle. It was included in one of those, and I was like, oh my goodness, stacking. I remember this game. I've got to install it, and I've got to play it again. So now playing it on PC, and this is a game where you embark on an adventure to rescue Charlie's family from the nefarious industrialist known as the Baron. Now this is developed by Double Fine Productions and it came out on PC in March 2012. And Stacking, it's an adventure puzzle game that is based on the Russian stacking babushka dolls. You know those dolls. They start off really small and then there's a bigger version that cups into them and a bigger version that cups into that. We've all seen them. Some of us have even been lucky enough to own them. I remember as a kid being completely fascinated by those. And that idea actually was coined by Double Fine's art director, Lee Petty, who saw the dolls as a means to replace the standard player interface used in graphical adventure games. And in this game, you control the smallest doll. That is Charlie Blackmore. And Charlie Blackmore's ability is to stack into dolls that are one size larger than them. And once you do that, you can stack into another character who's larger than that. And you use their abilities to solve puzzles. And the main objective there is to help Charlie free his older siblings and put an end to child labor enforced by the main antagonist, the Baron. And the cool thing about this game is that the puzzles have multiple solutions and I think that's what adds to the depth of this game. If you play through the story mode and just focus on getting one solution for everything, you can be done in about three hours and that's what I did. I played through the story mode and completed that but there's a lot more to unlock with regards to multiple ways to solve puzzles and also challenges that allow players to explore the game's world outside of the main story. So the game is set in the industrial age and it starts with William Blackmore who's a professional chimney sweep and he's leaving his family, he's taking a new job under the Baron, the Baron's gonna be his boss and a few months later William doesn't return, their family's in debt and then the Baron comes along and forces the entire family into apprenticeships and then it's left with Charlie to head to various areas and help his family out and there's some great settings in this game the first level takes place in a train station the second takes place on the baron's private cruise ship then we've got a level taking place on the baron zeppelin and then we have another level taking place on the baron's three-tiered magical train that somehow ends up riding on water and i think this game is just a lot of fun it really held up for me i had that nostalgic memory of playing this game originally and it did hold up. It was everything that I wanted it to be. It was everything that I remembered it to be. And actually as I was playing this, one of my good friends, Syl from the Whispers of War podcast was in chat and she said it kind of reminded her of the Lego games and the puzzles in the Lego games. And I definitely saw the comparison there of that. It's a game that you don't need to put too much into, but you get a lot out of. And I know it as someone that's enjoyed LEGO games in the past, not so much anymore, I definitely made that connection of how you can 
become different characters in this that have different abilities. Sometimes the abilities are just fun. Sometimes you can just fart over people and that's fun. But there is a real aspect to this game that is just so easy to pick up and play and also get through the story. If you're looking for a title that's just not too time consuming as well, it does respect your time. Maybe even a little bit too short. Maybe you want a bit more of the story, but I think it actually executes it quite well that the story maybe takes you about three hours, but if you were to go and do everything, all the side missions, all the multiple ways to solve the puzzles, you're probably doubling that time, which I think for the price of the game right now, which on Steam it's $6.99 in pounds, that's a great price and a great bit of entertainment for you there. So if you're looking for a blast from the past, why not check out Stacking by Double Fine Productions? It's trivia time! So I was talking about stacking and I mentioned I played that on the Xbox 360. So here we go with the connecting question. In what year did the Xbox 360 first release? The correct answer is 2005. The Xbox 360 was released in November 2005 in the United States, in Canada in December 2005, and in Europe in December as well. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. And here we are at the end of another level of Free Extra Life. How did you do on the trivia this week? Why not let me know over on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Free Extra Lives. Or you can email the show at podcast at 3 if you've got any feedback about the show or you just want to say hi. As usual, you can head over to 3 and find all the show notes for this episode, all the links to everything I've mentioned so you don't have to go searching. And if you're interested, I did mention it through the show that I do stream over on Twitch, over twitch.tv forward slash 3 If you want to come over there and hang out, give me a little follow. I'd very much appreciate that too. So that's it. We're at the end. We've completed another level of Three Extra Lives. I thank you all very much for tuning in. And I'll see you all in level 59. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.